hook. Queen and boom. And what, what's happened with that? Rap music is sampling. And people who don't understand rap music, they say, well, he borrows this or steals this. Rap music, every major rap artist in the world samples music, you know? And that's all I did is sample it. If my record 10 years from now went number one, I would say, yo, give me a piece of that, you know? That's all, I mean, and I don't blame them at all. And uh, especially if it sells 5 million copies. But see, the reason why you don't hear as much controversy going on with other rap groups sampling and stuff is because a good rap record in the United States just goes gold. I mean, that's a good rap, that's a lot for a rap, one rap record, you know, to go gold. And platinum is like, you barely get that for a rap record. You know, plat platinum records a lot for rap. And I sold five platinum. So, you know, it's it's like they're going to definitely come and get me. But for somebody that goes gold, it's not even worth their time to go get a lawyer and pay for the lawyer and everything just for a gold record. You know what I'm saying? So they just leave it alone and say, uh, if he goes five times platinum, we're going to get him, you know. All they wanted was credit. All they wanted was credit. And that's all we gave him, you know. Sample by David Bowie. <laughs> Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third, and I'm Heather Fortune. We're going to be playing less music and more judging music. <laughs> I know usually you come in here, you're hearing a lot of open-minded stuff. We're talking a lot of love of our music. Not today. We're putting on, we're picking up the gavel. We're putting on the little white wig. Uh, <laughs> Heather's got the little frilly thing around the neck on the frock or yes. whatever they call it. Yes. And we're going to be judging some music. It happens regularly on Twitter where people will learn that samples exist. Right. <laughs> and then people will suddenly learn that sometimes music samples other music mm -hmm. and then they just kind of lose their minds about it. I mean, it depends. Sometimes, sometimes it's, they didn't know that something was sampled like i think the most recent one was what like because the weekend had sampled years ago sampled Susie and the banshees yeah happy yeah. house um it, that was you know years and years ago that he did that but he included like a segment of it in his super bowl performance and everyone was like you know most most of what i saw was people being like cool Susie and the banshees like cool but then there was like a whole sect of like you know, like online, like goth purists who are like, how dare you <laughs> sample Susie and the Banshees or like you ripped that off. You stole it from them, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm sure they probably got paid. But I also then found out that The Weeknd had requested to sample um, a Portishead beat. Um, and the dude from Portishead or Portishead as a band said no they denied access to the sample for whatever reason at the time but weekend dude used it anyway he just like added like another snare or something on top of it and uh just like never paid them or anything and so like that guy from portishead is is like after the super bowl was kind of like you know trying to call out weekend guy being like yo, we told you you couldn't use it. You did it anyway. Give us money. Um, and that's where things get murkier. Hearing that story just now, putting my judge's hat on, I would say that it depends on how rich and famous The Weeknd was at the time. Because if I f actually feel that if it was earlier in his career... Well, it was. If it was earlier in his career, I kind of feel like Porter's head were probably be kind of dicks to a smaller artist and the smaller artist said fuck you i'm gonna do it anyway and that's fine and now he's blown up and now they they want to say something right sorry sorry you look i i haven't heard their reasoning for denying it but just hearing that story and knowing the history of how this whole thing these sample wars started to happen with hip-hop and it like all the you know, basically the racism involved in it. I'm kind of yeah. inclined to be on the weekend side. Maybe it's not cool to, you know, <laughs> steal a sample, but 
sometimes it's kind of cool actually you know i mean define cool you know like stealing is sort of just like generally cool but then it depends on like what who you're stealing from yes right so like yes okay context the, at the time the weekend had not blown up the weekend was still doing like mixtape things and i think i think he was starting to kind of get bigger but it wasn't it was like he was still like an a pitchfork artist or whatever it wasn't like yeah. he was a huge pop star and so then you have to consider who is being stolen from which is portishead who is not a big band you know they're like a cult band yeah they had some some songs that got like on movie soundtracks and kind of became uh really well known over a long period of time as sort of an aesthetic accompaniment to like i don't know shows like the house md yeah like (laughs) you know whatever but um but they're not like a famous rich and famous band so it's like okay you know were they being whack by denying the sample usage in my opinion and it seems yours yes but that is their right because it's their art and so by the weekend if we had never heard of the weekend again this would not have harmed Portis head anyway right. right if he fizzled out and if he was like still like working at the GameStop right now you know what right. i'm saying like like who would care they sample Portis head on mixtape and that's how most you know younger artists hip hop artists that's what they're doing or vaporwave my god vaporwave is just people sent chopping up and sampling really commercial uh songs and selling it sometimes for yeah. uh, a profit but you know no one makes a big deal because all these kids are going to become fucking dens- dental assistants and uber drivers so <laughs> it's like not that big a, a big a deal really so i do really i, I kind of have to side with the weekend here i think Portishead, head even though they're not the biggest band i think they've had enough general success that it's not a me you're not punching down if you're a mixtape artist stealing from right i think i'm like king solomon on this like straight down the middle like okay you were wrong you were wrong it's murky but since the weekend is now extraordinarily wealthy just give portis head some money money. i think that's actually very fair i think that's very fair just cut them the check you would have if they had done the thing that they should have done and uh at your right because it's not like the portis head sample was used in like one of weekend's hit songs yeah you know so it's not like he'd be giving away some huge portion of like mega royalties it's like from some more obscure earlier song so it's like fine you get a percentage of the royalties to that one song and then everyone's happy you know it's like whatever fine i remember uh in, in one a song one of my songs i like quoted dylan thomas um, in the lyrics and I in the lyrics it's like in quotation marks and it I like wove in like and Dylan says blah 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 whatever and his like estate like sent his lawyer his estate's lawyer whatever they like sent me an email being like because the song was like on NPR or something and it said something about Dylan Thomas blah 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 being like did you request the rights to to use that line and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) a quotation from a famous he's a famous very dead poet and i literally put it in quotes like are are you charging like students you know who write papers or you know like every time somebody like puts a collage as a piece of like his poetry into a zine that they sell for three dollars like are you going (laughs) going around collecting money off like this is crazy but you know what the wild shit that I, I learned recently, because um, I'm, I'm writing uh, now, and the one tip that a writer put, put out is that whatever you do, do not quote lyrics in, in your novel, your short story, whatever, because whoever owns that song can sue the crap out of you if you do that. Even if you credit them? Yes. Yes. Like, can you cite it? Cite them. Yes. Even cited, your characters cannot be like, oh, the, that song, that new song, "The World Is a Vampire," is very good. Well, maybe they could get away with just that, but you cannot uh, quote song lyrics uh, in books because that is a point of litigation. That's stupid. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. But I will say, I'll, I'll only quote uh, Wax Isles then. Yeah, go ahead. I'll never sue you. I don't yeah, give a shit. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm used to being ripped off. I don't care anymore. Whatever. All right. Sounds like we have case closed on our first <laughs> case. All right. And so next up, uh, this is one that's been on my mind for a very, very long time. And maybe all, almost all my life, really, I've, I've lived with this one. And this is probably the most famous sample case of all, of course. Uh, I'm talking about Ice Ice Baby mm. by Vanilla Ice mm. and the Queen and David Bowie song Under, Under Pressure. Pressure. So I, I have a bit of a hot take on this. Let's hear I it. Have, well, first of all, let, let's let's set the scene, right? So the reason this is so big, this was like the, what the first big like case where the entertainment companies were kind of pushing the media companies that own the news networks and MTV and also the record, uh, the record uh, labels, all that stuff. They kind of started pushing back against this hip hop culture, which was being pretty loose with samples. You know, you look at a album uh, like Paul's Boutique and that's just full of samples that weren't cleared, weren't paid for. And hip hop was just kind of saying, we can take a little couple of seconds from this, put it. Put this in, make a make a new song, make money off it, and not have to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Not pay have to pay the white man, and that was a that was obviously a Although problem. Although the Beastie Boys were the white man, they were also white man too. See, <laughs> see, that, well, we were get into that. We're going to get into that because Vanilla Ice, they kind of singled him out and made him the villain. I think in large part because he was a white rapper. He was a pop rapper. He didn't have any kind of street credibility. Mm. Like nobody's nobody who took hip hop seriously was rallying to de- defend Vanilla Ice, of right. course. And they kind of made were able to make him a, a he was the exam- patsy. They made yeah, him a was, patsy so they wouldn't be accused of being racist. Which racist, they were. exactly. Yeah, and classic. ultimately, and ultimately, you know, anti. Vanilla iceness is rooted in anti-blackness. If Whoa. you really think about it, if you really think about it, Whoa. I, I, you know, that that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to attack hip hop and the sampling and because they didn't know how to make money off of hip hop yet. They figured it out a couple of years later, but most of the record labels were still trying to figure out how to make money off of hip hop. They weren't. And it was, and Vanilla Ice actually has a really good clip where he breaks it down. He said, you know, everybody in hip hop samples, but it's not worth suing a rapper who's only selling, you know, a hundred thousand copies. I, you know, went platinum multiple mm-hmm. times. That's why they came after me. I made it wasn't worth hiring the lawyers to go after all. All they could have sued everyone else, but it wasn't worth hiring the did lawyers. Did Bowie so. sue him? No, they did. So they didn't sue him. That doesn't uh, sound like something Bowie would do. Yeah, that and that that's the kind of strange part of it because I really feel the media this case was mostly tried in the media. The media made Vanilla Ice out like he was a murderer. Like you should see some of the interviews uh if you have it that they did with him where they're talking about him like he's a suspect. Like you didn't you steal this song from beloved Queen and David Bowie, but like the band themselves, they didn't really seem to want to make a big deal of it. They wanted credit, obviously, yeah. but I feel like the media and the media companies made a much bigger deal about it than the actual uh band wanted to do and in, and eventually i think the band kind of uh they uh they allowed uh vanilla ice to purchase it from them like it wasn't like a big deal to them they just kind of wanted credit but it became this co- controversy this firestorm because of the financial motives uh behind this there's a lot of things in there in your take that it just are like sens- sensible but the 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 scorching hot take is that anti-vanilla iceness is largely rooted, rooted in, in anti-blackness. Those are just the facts. Those are just I, I didn't want to believe this either. I grew up, you know, hating vanilla ice and it thinking, makes sense to me. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, I grew I grew up, you know, we were all we all liked vanilla ice and then we were all like, oh, vanilla then our older brothers told us that vanilla ice sucks, and we were like, Yeah, vanilla ice sucks. He's a <laughs> he's a thief, he's stealing black culture. When in reality, the, the, what they were, what was actually happening was the record companies were trying to co-op, Clamp get control down on black on, cult, right. culture. And they were, they used vanilla ice to do it. And now get it into the actual song. And this may be a hotter take. This may be a hotter take. As much as I love. Don't singing, say it. 
don't. Under pressure don't. at karaoke. You're not. As fun as that ending is, I, I really do think Vanilla Ice did something different and unique and very interesting with that sample. And he shouldn't catch any shit for it. He really shouldn't. Okay, okay, okay. First of all, let's just back it up here. Vanilla Ice, and correct me if I'm wrong, himself didn't do shit with the sample. Somebody else produced the song and I made the I thought he sample. produced it himself, too. I thought he was a producer, too. Did he? I think he was a producer, too. We, I might, think we might need to verify that. Because... Let's verify. I, I don't mean, I mean Vanilla Ice and his people, obviously. It's, either way, you know, I meant... You know, whoever made that song, there. That yeah, it's song, a hot track. It's a hot yeah, track. But are you saying tra- it's better than Under Pressure? I wouldn't say it's better, but what I would say is that it makes use of the sample in a really oh, incredible yeah. and interesting way. And you and there's absolutely no reason to like diss the song. Yeah. Like the like 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 it like they did their due diligence. They didn't steal it. Uh that was the main word that was used actually at the time Vanilla I stole this song. No he didn't. No he didn't. No he stole one he he used they they used one riff and the rest of the song was totally different. It was you know the baseline was completely Yeah, when went that off. AOA kicks in, my god. Yeah. That that's a jam. Yeah, it which is. under under pressure, not a jam. Under pressure so, is a jam. Well, a type of jam, but it's not a jam. It's jam. a different, different genre of jam, but it is a jam. But I will say, Little Ass Me had that that single on cassette, and like next to my like Madonna True Blue cassette or whatever, and I definitely was like throwing down in my bedroom with my Barbies. <laughs> Wait, to which one? To Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby, okay. Yeah, okay. I was born in 87, so I was like yeah, a kid. Yeah, I assumed, I assumed. When that song came out, so I was like, you know, every, that song was huge. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was a huge song. It's lots of fun. I Sample Core, I, I mean, my final verdict really is just that Vanilla Ice Innocent. I don't think he did anything wrong here. Yeah, he used a sample, and he and he was also like a really small artist, and this was in the late 80s when bands would just denied and not they would never you know clear anything with a right hip-hop artist that just was not something that would that would happen so i absolutely positively don't think he did anything wrong and shouldn't have caught any shit for vanilla it because- ice did nothing wrong yes case closed <laughs> i'm gonna put the dun duns in i'm gonna put the dun duns in and uh yes all right so heather did you uh have one for us yeah, I mean the the one that I automatically think of always uh, when whenever this issue comes up um, is the case of the Verve's Bittersweet Symphony with their sample from the Andrew Oldham Orchestra, which was Andrew Oldham was the Rolling Stones manager, and he like the orchestra piece was in I can't remember which Rolling so- Stones song or like it was like a live. Thing. It was like it wasn't even like an actual Rolling Stones song. I don't think. Yeah, or, it's or called. It a, was... It's a song called "The Last Time." Oh right, it's the orchestral arrangement for "The Last Time." So Andrew Oldham put together a, an orchestral arrangement to that song for for like a I can't remember for what purpose. Because um, the actual song "This Will Be the Last Time" maybe is like not. There's no violins in it. I think it was, I think they did this kind of stuff because they didn't have the internet yet. So right. like, what else are you gonna do? Like, okay, I guess we'll make a orchestral version of right. the Rolling Stones right. album. It was something like that. So here's the here's the here's the we'll set the scene for this case. So, the Verve, '90s, you know, Britpop throwback kind of shits happening. They're like one of those kinds of bands, you know, shoegaze vibes mixed in. Um, very, you know, throwback stylistically, the shag haircuts, the beetle boots, they were, you know, really in the sixties stuff came back in the nineties in a big way in like rock, especially with in, in England and the British rock, Brit pop and stuff. So they wanted to, they, they were like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to request permission. We're going to go through the proper channels. We're going to request permission to sample just this one loop, do, 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 you know, whatever. That's it. And 
they, you know, the, the song that they built around that, or like, I, can't, I think they've been working on the song and then it occurred to Richard Ashcroft, like, oh my God, this melody would be perfect, whatever. I don't know how it happened, but they requested permission. Permission granted. They got permission to use the sample legally and everything. Now, Andrew Oldham, you know, because it wasn't mm. the Stones who gave a shit. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. They stole everything from black artists. Yeah, of people. course. They, they, they didn't have a leg to stand on in terms of integrity, and they knew that, you know? So they didn't give a shit. But Andrew Oldham, the little, you know, grubbing manager guy, he, you know, of course, doesn't, ex- is like, oh, just some like garage band from, you know, of a bunch of whatever. It's just, sure, use the song. Who cares? I don't use a bit of it. I don't care. But of course, Bittersweet Symphony turns into a huge hit. You know, massive, massive hit. So he, they get sued. The Verve gets sued. The Verve loses the lawsuit, even though... Th- so, so what they got sued for was using the sample too much. <laughs> because they had legally been granted permission to use it. But the, Andrew Oldham slash the Stones, whatever his case was like, yeah, well, we told you you could use it. We didn't know you were going to use it that much. <laughs> or that well. <laughs> or that, or that, really, that's what they meant was that well. So sued, sued the verb, won, the verb lost, and so they had to give, they had no like royalty rights almost whatsoever. I think for that song, all the way up until like two years ago, maybe yes. or maybe last year, when when the the Stones themselves like were over, they were like, no, we're gonna give him, we're gonna give them the rights to the yeah. song finally. They finally woke up out of their fucking heroin. That's what it sounded like too. Is like they like they first heard about it like last year. Right? Like, what? They probably had <laughs> no idea. They're probably yeah. just like, oh shit, now that sucks. Let's give the poor guy some money. He's broke, you know. Like fuck it. Um, but yeah. So obviously, I think we all know what my verdict here is: innocent, Richard yeah. Ashcroft, innocent, 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 and is due back pay for his losses. This case is interesting one. So they they did get the permission, but there was this little loophole because it was like an orchestral derivative version and they used the sample very heavily. It's unlike, I would say, even an Ice Ice Baby. I think this song is a little bit more, it feels a little bit more dependent. I would like to hear a stripped down version, but it feels really dependent on the Rolling Stone. And I do remember when they talked about it, they actually talked about it as if it was just a Rolling Stone cover that they didn't give credit for. It was actually very confusing the way the media covered this one. They 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 they, they didn't break it down um as clearly as it should have been. But my final dis- decision on it. Yeah, like of course, you know, they didn't really do anything wrong. They tried to do everything right and then just get screwed because of this little loophole for Because they years. did it too well. Because they did yeah. it too well. And that's that's just it's just it's just shameful. It's like y'all are already so rich. You're the fucking Rolling Stones and the and Rolling Stones manager, really, who was yes. really the guy who whatever. Like you already like let this band have their one song. They're yeah. only gonna have yeah. one. It, that was that, exactly. <laughs> and that like, was this it. Was it. <laughs> like if you look up this band, if you look up this song on YouTube, what's gonna be to the right is Lynn Steal My Sunshine. <laughs> New radicals, you get what you give. Like the the this oh my god, don't one. get me started on Bucket Hat Man. <laughs> I, I guess I, I going back and watching that New Radicals video, it does give me like a real sense of nostalgia. Just like oh, life was just so much simpler. Everybody just wearing fucking giant Bucket khakis hats. and bowling shirts. Like it was just so much easier. Like it did. Like I don't know. I don't know. Good time to grow up as a teen, I think, the late 90s. I think it's the last good time, maybe for teenagers. Maybe. Case closed on that, Yeah, case right? closed. Innocent. Absolutely. Innocent, innocent. And, and owed back pay. What do you think oh, about yeah, that? Oh, yeah, definitely owed back pay. Owed back lifestyle, in fact, because they could have been living completely different lives. So they should get, like, to use the mansions. Mm-hmm. Like, they should get the summer in the Rolling Stones mansions, mm-hmm. at the very least. South of France. <laughs> yacht whatever yes all right and moving on uh to our next one this is one you know very recent very controversial and one that i thought was 
really affected me and I thought like this might destroy music itself and then it ended up not mattering because absolutely nobody makes money off of music anymore <laughs> so like doesn't matter actually the case probably doesn't matter like this might be the last case about a song because it won't be worth suing anyone for and that's of course uh robin thick blurred lines mm-hmm. and marvin gay got to give it up mm-hmm. now look robin thick problematic fave obviously Obviously, everybody hates him. Again, we got the the black white thing going on because he is a white artist making black music. He's a white artist trying to make black music, at least at this point uh, in his career. And he was sued, I believe, by the state of Marvin Gaye, not for sampling, not for an unlicensed cover, unlicensed sample, but for basically... Plagiarism. Steal, stealing the vibe, kinda. Stealing the vibe. Was it of, really was it a vibe or I thought it was I thought it was because like the 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 drum the drums. No, the the see when they actually dived into it, there actually is basically analysis about what they think he talk, took from the song. And it's actually like the I, I'm not I'm not a musician, but like the the note, the pattern of the notes is different. The the pattern of the drums is different. Like every, on every level, I like I, I, there's some pretty good videos on it. Every level is different. It's just that they basically listen to Got to Give It Up and we're like, all right, let's make something kind of like Got to Give It Up. But they didn't use any samples or di- directly rip any melodies or even uh, the chord progression. The chord progression is even different. Right. So it's just kind of basically the feeling of the song. It's very clear when you listen to them that they feel the same and are meant to be the same type of songs. But they didn't actually take anything uh, from the song. And you can... Um, there is legal precedent for melody, melody. Yes. Uh, taking a melody, but th- that wasn't in this case. They basically argued about like the, like, like you said, like the drums and the bass line being kind of similar vibe. enough yeah. to like sue over. And I, I, I thought for sure um, this would, you know, kind of get thrown out because I, I just find these kind of cases interesting because I, I'm just of the opinion that all musicians steal a lot and it's not, not really a problem unless we're talking about power and balances and money and exactly. all that stuff. Yeah. And so I, I was really interested in this case. And, but the jury, I think it went to a jury and the jury decided that yes, uh, now you can sue for kind of jacking the vibe of a song, and of course, damn, I, I, think, I can sue, I can sue so many people. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like so, like when you get I would to that, never. yeah, but when you get to that point, it's like, like this is what all musicians do. They like they'll sit down and say, "Hmm, I like that song. Maybe I'll write something a little bit like that." Now, maybe they'll create something of their own, add their own twist. Maybe that the end product of whatever they're trying to do will be completely different. But every single artist who I ever heard an interview with has said something like, Oh, wait, how'd you come up with this song? It's like, Oh, well, yeah, I stole that uh, from the cure. Uh, actually. In fact, you yeah. know that um, echo and the bunny man, they literally, uh, their most famous song, you know, the what, killing moon. Um, he, it's literally just the chord progressions are, um, Space Oddity by David Bowie backwards. Ah. Intentionally. Like, like Ian McCulloch has said on record, like, yeah, I wrote that song by literally just playing Space Oddity backwards. And of course, uh, David Bowie, a well-known thief, (laughs) uh, there's a star man is somewhere over the rainbow. He he would sing somewhere over the rainbow just mm-hmm. to show everybody that he's just he's just stealing shit. He had no problem uh, ever admitting this. Most of the great artists, you know, great musical artists admit this. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to me because there is such a disconnect between what the public thinks about this sort of thing. Like they really do think like you like every single note of every song is supposed to be entirely original unless or it's bullshit i don't know how that disconnect there's no ever such happened. thing there's no such thing as like pure and true originality in music like whatsoever i don't believe there ever has been it's music is a is a is a conversational medium it's constantly it's like 
you know, before it was recorded, it was like you all songs were made and and played off of each other, and you hear something that people would then turn into a song part, and someone else would hear them playing it in the distance, and then you hear it at some, you know, whatever. It's like it's just it's not. There is no like true pure original music. It is a complete fallacy. Yeah, and a lot of people just were kind of happy about this case because they just don't like Robin Thicke. But I was like, this seemed like a very bad precedent uh, to set. I think it's still an appeal, um, probably. But I think it would be like a, just a disastrous precedent to set. Oh, yeah. For music, if you can just say even the general vibe and feeling of a song is something that you can like trade copyright, you know, like that's I not. I mean, if that is a precedent that becomes set, then like My Bloody Valentine and Slow Dive are going to be able to go through every single. <laughs> Yeah, band that like uses like <laughs> 50 pedals on stage and like you know whatever like they're gonna be able to just annihilate every single one of those bands that, that and, did it and then them. they're gonna get sued by like the who Je- or something yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll get sued by like the jesus and mary jane who will then get sued by like you know the 60s uh, phil specter's ghost and whoever else <laughs> and then you know so on and so forth it's just it's it's stupid yeah, silly. Like, even though Robin Thicke is an asshole and rich. And, and that song sucks. Yeah. Well, it it did grow on me. It did grow on me. Like, I like I hated that song. No vibe song. is cool enough to save the atrocity <laughs> that is that fucking song. Obviously, I don't think Marvin, the Marvin Gaye estate lost anything by this song being out there and being popular. Um, so I'm going to say, as, as loath as I am to say these words... Robin Thicke, innocent. Yeah, I'm going to call him guilty just because I don't like him. <laughs> ethically, well, ethically, innocent, right? Logically, yes. innocent. But according to my own personal feelings, just because, guilty. Guilty. Well, he, well... Let's see. Well, it's still this case uh, <laughs> is still in uh, in appeal. So, uh, but I, I will forward this. Uh, but see, that's jury. dangerous. You can't just go around convicting things willy nilly because you feel a certain way about somebody. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's, yes, that's fucked up. But in this case, in this court, in the law of this land, fuck Robin Thicke. Right, rest All in right. peace, Marvin Gaye. Yes. <laughs> Next up, albeit not quite as controversial i don't think although maybe leslie you might have some more memory of this stuff but we have um one of my favorite songs featuring a sample of another one of my favorite songs we have mia's paper planes which infamously samples the clashes see goes straight to hell straight to hell and uh yeah i mean it's like the you know it's like a genius way to use the vibe of that sample because the clash song was kind of like riffing off of like dub vibes and stuff anyways so or that's their song was the original song was was riffing off this sort of like dub groove so inverting that and turning that into like a straight sort of chilled out hip-hop beat was just like effortless it seems like like it was waiting to be to be done like that was just sitting there waiting for someone to be cool enough to to make that happen and mia and her produce was i wasn't it diplo yes it was <laughs> does that change no no it, it doesn't change my opinion because diplo i i kind of fuck with him i don't know I, I, he doesn't bother me as much as he should i guess um yeah so it was diplo uh did did that sample and that song fucking slaps i mean to this day like paper planes come uh obviously it's an incredible song i i fan of the clash you see the issue is is this right the diplo is the issue for me basically because you hear that song you you see the vibe you see you know, it's very, very ethnic, very cultured, and it feels like, okay, those, you know, crazy white boys from the UK in the 80s, they were appreciating the culture. But now we kind of kind of take it back and kind of show them how to do it. And then you realize that it's Diplo, actually. <laughs> and so 
but, <laughs> but MIA though, you know, yes, is, but she's MIA. the one who had the artistic vision for like the aesthetics of it. And she herself, you know, is, you know, the one who had the creative vision aesthetically and the flow and like her own vibe. But yes, white boy Diplo did have the idea to fuse white boys, the clash fusing of dub and like Jamaican vibes into this. Like- and and now that you're explaining it that way, you kind of almost need a white boy in the room to tell you like, Hey, you know about these guys called the clash? Yeah. They stole all that shit from you. And now, we're, now you can use it again. I kind of actually, now you kind of won me over. I mean, it's uh, kind of, it's kind of cool. It's kind of sick. You know, and I mean, to be fair, when we're talk when we talk about like the punk scene in England in the seventies and early eighties and the the way that it mixed with the dub scene and stuff, that's a very different context than we have like in American music with like the kind of segregation and stuff and the 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 race the way racism played it played it has played out and continues to play out here because in the UK, the vibes are very different. Like, yeah, they had, they had skinhead crews and stuff that were like fucked up, you know, and kind of, and racist. And they definitely had Nazis over there and stuff, but there wasn't the same like history of, of the racial tension. Wasn't the same context, right. That we have. So there was a lot of like genuine, just hanging out happening between, you know, black, black punks who were like, really influenced and into all this like dub vibe stuff that was coming out of Jamaica and elsewhere in the world and like South, like African, you know, Afrobeat stuff and all that shit. And they were just like at the same clubs, DJing events. And so they were all just like hanging out. Cause we have bands like the slits who were heavily influenced by all that stuff. Dub, you know, with, with the clash, obviously whack bands like the police were really influenced by reggae and dub and all that stuff. But it was, it does strike me as more of a genuine cultural phenomenon of like youth, just like all the young, cool kids were hanging out, you know, and they were just mixing ideas, swapping ideas and stuff more so than like, Oh, the white dudes are here to steal like the black kids vibes. You know, it was more just like they were all at the same clubs listening to the same stuff. In, in, in the spirit of that cross cultural, uh, unity, I, I am going to rule uh, Diplo innocent. Yeah. Diplo innocent. Yeah, for sure. Diplo Innocent. Um, but what song is better? The Clash song is better. No, it's not. Wait, no. It's, it's so hard. Like, it's so hard because the Clash is just. No, you know what? Ah, oh, fuck. I don't think it is. I think. Okay, wait. <clears throat> Let's get back to how we, how we, how we rule. The use of the sample. Which song utilized the, the piece, the part that was sampled best? Was it The Clash or MIA? I'm going to say changing my answer mia because the that piece that delayed out like dubby sounding guitar riff works way better with her vibe and like the beat that diplo put on it than with like joe strummer's like you know i i i you know what heather listening i do agree but i think we have to add a denim to earlier ruling when specifically talking about the sample in Ice Ice Baby versus Under Pressure, I think you have to rule that Ice Ice Baby makes better use of that particular part. Not judging the song on its whole, but I would argue that the most memorable part of Under Pressure are the vocal performances and not necessarily that little tinny sample. I think... Okay, okay, okay. I changed my verdict. (laughs) I changed my verdict on that, on Ice Ice Baby. You're right. And it comes to the actual use of the sample. Ice Ice Baby was a better utilization of the bass riff than Under Pressure, the original. (sighs) Yes. I I love when judges, I love talking to colleagues, my fellow judges, and reaching the quorum. (laughs) All right. Case closed, I believe. Okay, let's see. Next up. All right, this is another, this is a good one. This is a good one. They're actually, the contest really here, the question is which is better, and I'm not even sure if I can cho- choose uh, Stay Fly by the Three Six Mafia. Oof. And then Willie Hutch, Tell Me Why Has Our Love t- Turned Cold, a very under-listened song. And it's actually, you know, a beautiful thing. That three six mafia. 
were able to sample this wonderful song, bring it to a new generation. I'm sure they grew up with it. Their uncles listened to it. And then they, they kind of brought it to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this sample is really beautiful. I think I really think yeah. this is one of the better samples I've ever heard. But also that song, the original is so goddamn good. It's an incredible just song. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is just, I mean, for me, there's like, a, I don't think there was any controversy in this case. I think no. that Three Six Mafia did like credit properly and all that stuff, right? Didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I do not know if they credit properly. But again, when it but comes there was to, no controversy. No one was mad about it. I'm sure by now it's been credited. What's what's been happening is like they go back and credit all these samples mm-hmm. after uh, the fact. Now that all these artists are signed with the major labels and they're right, 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 right. And, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a case of like it's j- it, like you said, it really is just sort of a beautiful like tip of the hat. You know, Three Six Mafia. They're utilizing, you know, what is already an incredible, really beautiful song in a totally unique and new way. And it fucking slaps. It's a bop. It's one of the best. It's like one of those songs that you can put on, you know, at any party or any situation or driving in your car, whatever. And you're just like, you know, you're going to you're going to be vibing. The vibes are going to be good. Absolutely incredible song. Uh, And. What I want to bring this up is because, you know, the sampling controversy really did start with hip hop and this idea that hip hop itself was not creative. Hip hop itself was just stealing other stuff. It was just talking instead of singing all these ideas and concepts and misnomers uh, that were put out about hip hop in the, you know, the in its rise in the 80s and even into the early the mid 90s probably probably not until like puffy you know and biggie and stuff did people stop talking about hip-hop in that way in general you still can find fools to say this now but there was a shift and this is you know a southern hip-hop artist showing just how creative hip-hop can be how it can recontextualize this song, create something new and beautiful, and have people, you know, looking back and appreciating this this artist that they might not have ever heard of. I I don't see anything wrong with that. This is like the perfect sample, really. Um, it, I wish we could aw- award money to everyone involved in this case. I Me wish too. we could just just pass it out. But my ruling is that this is this is what you like to see. You love to see it. That's my ruling. Yeah, you love, love to, to see, see it. it. No harm, no foul. Yeah, in fact, doing good. I think really doing act of good because this is how I discovered that Willie Hutch song. Yeah, definitely. Ruling is all around everyone. Good, good people on all sides. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Case closed. Dung dung. All right. So. Our last one for today, because we could do this all day. We could do this all day for several days. And we could do a part. We'll do a part two. We'll do a part two. There's so many. Send in which ones you want us to do, and we'll do them. Yeah. If any, if anyone has any cases you'd like to present to the court, please submit in the comments. Um, do not at me. And <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we can do a part two. But yeah. So last up, we're gonna tackle. We're gonna tackle one of the greats. One of the greatest. One of the greatest ones um, that either of us could think of which is Rick James Super Freak being sampled by MC Hammer for Can't Touch This. Now, I mean, I don't really have a lot of background information about this particular case. I don't know if there was any controversy. I don't know if Rick James gave a shit. I don't know if MC Hammer cleared a sample. Do you know? See, I don't remember this one being particularly controversial, and that's kind of my main beef with this. That's kind of my main beef, especially when compared to how much I was it was shoved into my head that Vanilla Ice was stealing from Queen and and David Bowie. I knew that David Bowie and Queen were being allegedly ripped off. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, around the same time, can't touch this is out there. I don't hear Rick James name on TV. Not at once. I didn't know who Rick James was. I didn't hear about Super Freak until years later, I believe. Mm. So my offense at this is that this song was so popular 
and so beloved and never uh, courted any controversy while lifting by while stealing well the closest i will call to stealing you know a song holy you know there is nothing good about can't touch this that isn't in super freak so i don't true. think i don't think mc hammer added really anything to this it's closer to a cover song than it is really a sample and i really do think the super uh, Super Freak song is such a great song, such an amazing song, and You Can't Touch This only lessens it and actually has done harm to the reputation of Super Freak. Well, so so I've I've just done a little quick research and so the sample was has been properly credited, you know, Rick James is is has songwriting credits. I mean, rest, uh, he's, after a lawsuit, after a lawsuit. after yes, but it was only after a lawsuit. So you're right. Like, cause even I was really young when this song came out, but yeah, I, I don't remember. I mean, it was everywhere and there was no mention to my memory during the songs, like, you know, popularity at first of Rick James whatsoever. Like it, it was like, there was no, there was no acknowledgement of the fact that it's just a Rick James song with dumb er lyrics over it. I mean, to be clear, both lyrics are dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> she's a very kinky girl. The but kind you, you don't, don't take home, home to mother. To mother. <laughs> uh, something incense, wine and candles. <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, I fucking love Rick James and I love that song, but I mean, come on, how much cocaine was he on when he wrote that song? Here's a, the other thing that, uh, most people don't know Rick James may have stolen this song or elements of it from Prince. Really? Because yeah, I, uh, I think, did we talk about the story? Um, when we did a purple rain episode, but, um, Prince and Rick James were on tour, uh, early on in Prince's career. Uh-huh. And Rick James was getting mad at Prince for stealing his moves. Allegedly allegedly now mm-hmm. rick james may be an unreliable narrator on <laughs> certain elements of things he may f- he i'm sure he really believed that prince was stealing his moves so at least le- leave it at that but and so he's uh so, so he said all right if you're gonna steal my moves i'm gonna steal your synthesizers mm. and uh, as, uh, and prince had custom programmed the synth- synthesizers which uh according to them like most people weren't doing at that point yet and so Rick James and his crew stole the synthesizers the last day of the show, and that's when he made this album. They literally and stole the synthesizers? Yes, he stole the synthesizers <laughs> from Prince and used them to make this album. So this might have been something that Prince was cooking up or a part of, you know? Oh, my God. Um, oh, I also just somehow just now found out that Rick James kidnapped someone. Oh, I vague. I remember this kind. Of. Let's not go. Yeah. Let's not go there. Let's not. Okay. Let's not go there. Let's not yeah. go there. But he, uh, Rick James, problematic fave. Problematic fave, definitely. definitely. Problematic yeah. fave. Now, knowing that he was part of a long lineage of inner scene thievery. I'm less inclined to be as mad about the MC Hammer thing um, because, you know, Prince was stealing from him. He literally, literally stole physical items from Prince. <laughs> and then later on, MC Hammer stole his vibe. It's kind of like and in the in the court of karma, it all balances out. MC Hammer did make a lot of money off this song. He lost it all, but he, lo- he made a lot of money off this song without putting much effort into it. And then his song, of course, you know, the not big knock on MC Hammer, kind of turning rap into pop. The first rap song to be nominated record of the year. Embarrassing for all black people, I have to say. <laughs> um, it, and he Savage. really did. Yeah, he really and he really did do damage to the song itself. Now, we mentioned the weekend example earlier, mm. you know, um he he samples that song. He goes. He did, but he didn't hurt the song any. He could have went on and worked at Burger King, and nobody would have cared, and it would have mattered. But this sample, the popularity of the song, actually hurts Super Freak in a in a real way. 
and I have to rule against, uh, damages to Rick James in the total of whatever MC Hammer uh, has left. And now he'll be fine, I think, because if people don't know, he's been posting on Twitter that he's like reading like a uh, like a ph- philosophical book a day. It's like a huge reading list. He's done capitalism already. So by now, like MC Hammer is basically a super genius. So I really don't think he cares about money or credit for some awful song he made in 1990. I think, you know, whatever. Uh, wow, kids... I never realized I had so much in common with MC Hammer. <laughs> it's like you literally retired... what I do now. Yeah, retire from youth to become geniuses. <laughs> become hey. a philosopher. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Damn sick. I think, he, you know what, I think he would, if that's, given that, all that context, yeah, I think he'd be like, fine, sure, whatever, give Rick James some more stuff, you know? It, Rick I mean, James is a state. <laughs> yeah, because Rick James is dead. Yeah, he's dead, but I, oh God, I, I, I feel like he probably has a lot of kids, so. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that joke. I'm the only one on, on Struggle Session that can make that joke. <laughs> I will say nothing. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm with you on this ruling. I'm with you on this ruling just on principle. Um, and also because, yeah, I don't think Can't Touch This is a very good song. I mean, it's whatever. But Super Freak, they're both, okay, they're both dumb. But Super Freak is objectively cooler. Therefore, I place my ruling on the side of, of Super Freak. Super Freak uh you're entitled to everything mc hammer owns but he doesn't need it because he's about to be a third world maoist and lead us into the revolution case (laughs) closed case closed all right folks that was struggle session radio have a good one peace later Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.